You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hello, Michael. Andre, how are you? Why do you sound like you're off the microphone? Why, why, why are you having so many technical problems, Michael? You know what? It's because, Andre, I have a 70-pound dog that won't get out of my way. <laughs> uh, is Stella joining the podcast today? Yeah, she's, she's at least in the middle of it. Okay. How about that? Uh, I can tell you one thing about the podcast. We are joined by a special guest today. Hello. See, there you have it. I was waiting for That's you. Me. I was waiting for you to you <laughs> to do the intros, Michael. We don't usually make the guests introduce themselves. We're joined by Ryan Oldridge, who is uh, a friend of the podcast, and we'll get to how and why uh, once again as we're going to be tasting through a few wines. He's the winemaker at Crew Winery in uh, the Lake Erie North Shore. And actually, the the special part about him is that he made a wine for you at one point. Well, that was the part that I was going to get to later, Michael. Thanks for uh, burying the lead there. Well, again, I've got a 70-pound dog that won't get out of my way. So, <laughs> Yeah, so a few years ago, we challenged on the podcast. I challenged a winemaker in the Lake Erie North Shore to make a Fumé-style Sauvignon Blanc. I know they grow some Sauvignon Blanc down in the Lake Erie North Shore. And uh, Ryan stepped up. This was with the 2019? Uh, 2018. 2018. And then when when the bottle arrived and it was VQA Ontario, I realized that he had cheated a little bit because the goal was to make the Fumé Blanc with um, Sauvignon Blanc from the Lake Erie North Shore. So one I may of the... have skidded, skidded the, the challenge a little bit, yes. <laughs> but I, I do have... I cheated. Yeah, cheated. <laughs> well, okay, but I do have in my hand the 2020 Walk the Plank Fumé Blanc from Crew that we're going to going to taste through. So, um, Michael, is Stella still there? Are you on the microphone yet? No, she really, seriously, she just won't move. Uh, there's, there's a blanket here, and, and <laughs> she's like right on it, and I can't, you know, I can't move the blanket, I can't move the dog. So if you can imagine, uh, I've got at least like a foot from the microphone, and I can I lean in, and then I lean back, and then I lean in again, and I lean back, and I can't get any closer than a foot because she will not move. And literally, I am over her, like like hovering over her. Okay, well, can you reach? Can you reach any of the wines? Yes, I got <laughs> the wine. Okay, so you know what? We have two 2020s in front of us and a 2019. I know the general rule of thumb is to go lighter before heavier, but I I poured a 2019 Cabernet Sauvignon. You want to do the Cab Sauv first? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Ryan, what do you want us to do first? Oh, geez. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a... Uh traditionalist i think you should go with the 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 unoaked then to the oaked white and then move on to the cab so sorry andre just because you're an alcoholic when it comes to red wine mm. <laughs> i'm i'm pouring i'm pouring the vqa ontario so blanc 20 <laughs> i i heard he have some of the, the cabernet so we know and mike like so so everyone everyone listening i know michael and i we've done a mea culpa the past couple episodes about like our lack of preparedness and just coordinating with each other's travel and whatnot we were actually prepared for this we made a google calendar invite we coordinated with ryan who was on vacation last week and now is joining us by by his good grace and uh i did not prepare for the dog (laughs) (laughs) um 
I, I guess where where to start? How are things going in uh, in Lake Erie North Shore so far this year? I know, like in Niagara, here we are. It's June thirtieth where we're recording this, and in Niagara, I think things are still a little bit behind. But I imagine this heat must be getting things to catch up. How are things uh, down in uh, in Harrow? So it's been nothing but hot down here, probably for about a month and a half. I want to say at least five weeks. It's just been heat, heat, heat. Very little rain. Everything's really dry. But we're still getting like that good diurnal shift at, at, at night where it tends to be a little cooler, um, at least when we get out of these uh, humid breaks at, at certain points too. But it, it, the vineyard's progressing nicely. We're, I would say, aside from the cap stove at our vineyard, uh, we're, full, we're fully through flowering grapes. You can see them now. They're all like, you know, BB size kind of idea. Uh, getting ready to de-leaf next week. And, yeah, just uh, way too much canopy in the cab stove right now. So do you have to, uh, to to leaf thin a little bit on that? Yeah, we're, we'll go through. We'll, uh, we'll de-leaf. We'll leaf thin our, uh, by hand afterwards as well. Um, we, you know, trying to make sure there's much uh, sunlight and airflow and all the all the goodness for the, the clusters. And then we'll go through and we'll hedge everything real well, too. And See, just, uh, you know, make it look pretty, too. But in the same sense, it, it can look pretty, but it's got to serve its purpose, too. So, see, if you guys had, had listened to me, if both of you had listened to me, there'd be a perfect segue to whip into the Cabernet Sauvignon that's opened up so we could talk about the growing conditions of 2019. But instead, we've got this 2020 Sauvignon Blanc, and we can jump right into the right into the tasting on it. Um, 2020, pandemic year. I think we're all yeah. going to have the the memories of that for for yeah. a very long time. But a great year for growing grapes in Niagara. What were the growing conditions like in the Lake Erie North Shore, and how much Lake Erie North Shore fruit is in this? Uh, actually, this is a hundred percent Niagara on the Lake. Uh, okay, where am I talking? Four Mile Creek area. Mm. Same guy we've always used for it. Same, uh, for our, our um, Sauvignon Blanc. Just really dependable grower, very consistent on the fruit. Um, flavors always come in real nice. Nice, cool ferment, kept in stainless steel. Nothing too uh, fancy about it, aside from just keeping it fresh. And um, yeah, just it's just it's about refreshing and trying to please his palates, right? So. Yeah, I, I like this one, Andre. It's got that tropical fruit note. No, I, I do too. I, I, I definitely think it's it's reflective of the of the vintage. Like I'd be hoping for a little bit more yeah. more acid on the back end, but it's not like it's not falling apart. But I think I'm guessing this is fermented right dry. Like this has got to be four grams per liter or less residual, isn't it? What? What's that in the glass right now? Yeah, and the the sweetness on this. No, in the no in the glass is uh, close. Uh, no, sorry, this one's uh, almost kissing ten. Okay. 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 So I guess that acid is higher than I thought because I, I did feel that the the I yeah, did there, feel there was a bit of sweetness. Acid in there. Mm. It does. It does taste sweet fruited though. Like yes. really sweet fruited. But I mean, it was one of those things where I wasn't sure if that was because of the the vintage conditions. Because I know a lot of the um, a lot of the Chardonnay, for example, I tasted at a barrel that fermented completely dry, still tasted sweet just because of 
the growing conditions in 2020. Right. I, I lots of tropical fruit on that one. Just lots of them. The peach and the pineapple and, you know, anybody looking for the typical New Zealand uh, style is going to be disappointed with that. But I think mm. anybody who's got their uh, mind open to, uh, to Sauvignon Blanc and uh, um, uh, a more fruity style, let's say, uh, I think they're going to like this one. Yeah, I think so too. And it's, it's also one of these things where like a little bit of residual res- residual sweetness, I find. I don't. I like I like a wine with a little bit of sweetness when you're sitting on the patio. I drink a lot of Riesling in the summer when it's hot hot outside. <laughs> yeah, pat- patio wines, right, and uh, beach wines, and just relaxing by the pool. Um, you know, refreshing white wines. That's that's kind of what I'm trying to do here at Crew for sure. Um, what at do least you guys- with our larger larger skews. Um, what do you guys sell this for? I believe it's sixteen ninety five. That's that's a good price for that. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Don't 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 quote me on that. You're the winemaker. You don't know what the hell any, anything is. I don't. I don't do the pricing. I just make the stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but it's what I. It's what I always find. Winemakers have no idea how much things that they make are sold for, and then when they find out, they're all disappointed. What do you mean? I made that for only sixteen bucks? You kidding me? <laughs> No, Should have just dumped that down the toilet. Goes, goes one of two ways. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on to the let's move on to the next one because this wine actually has the connection to the podcast, and this is the uh, the Walk the Plank 2020 Fumé Blanc. And I remember the 2018 that you made was just dynamite. Like it was, it was what I hoped it would be. And then, like I said, my heart sank when I saw the VQA designation on it. So when this when I saw that you had <laughs> made this, I got very I got very excited. I'm even more excited about the fact that it's from the 2020 vintage, like yep. just because you got that got that extra heat. Um, oh wow, you guys got a new website. I was just going on the website to double check prices. Uh, looks great. Oh, speed fact checking me. All right, I see how it is. <laughs> yeah, he does that to me too. I really hate him for it. <laughs> well, some of us have to keep you guys on the on the straight and narrow. All right. So yeah, we did. Did a little reworking to the website um, within the past uh, couple of months, at least. So the uh, the Sauvignon Blanc is is seventeen ninety five. The Fumé is twenty ninety five. Ooh. So yeah, I'm gonna wait for. Oh, oh man, I would have got them both wrong. Why? What did you think this Fumé was? I thought it was twenty one ninety five. Well, I liked your price on the first one. I didn't like. Tell, tell you what, let's second. taste it. We'll see what we'll see if we can convince. People that well, let's taste it. And we'll see if we can convince the uh, people to jack the price up an extra buck and lower the other one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's definitely yeah, cab solves twenty four ninety five. I can go back and I will I will fact check you on that. Um, so on the oh, female, right. he's going to do it all day now. Yeah, it's twenty twenty four ninety five twenty four ninety five on the cab stove. Um The so the nose definitely. Yeah. Definitely gets that that passion fruit note, but there is some like like toasted toasted oak on it. Mm-hmm. I'm also uh, drinking this out of a, a, a white wine glass. I usually drink fumé out of a burgundy glass, just because I like. I don't know. I just I find that it it's more leaning towards Chardonnay than unoaked unoaked Sauvignon Blanc when you when you make that sure, one. Sure, sure. I don't know, Michael. Why don't you kick us off? Looking. For- 
Well, um, you're the one who likes the Fumé style. I am not always a big fan of the Fumé Blanc style. I think Chardonnay does better with oak than, uh, than Sauvignon Blanc does. Um, I, but I think the, the thing about Fumé is it's, it's about restraint, right? Like you don't, I don't think you ever hear anyone talk about like leaving their Sauvignon Blanc barrel for like, oh my gosh, I put this in a brand new medium toast barrel for 24 months and stirred the crap out of the lees every month until it was ready to bottle. Like, oh, there's, uh, a, there's a guy out there doing that. I can feel it. <laughs> or uh, you've just given somebody an idea. I guess it's not me. I, I, I know it's not me. <laughs> Uh, but notes notes are like nice and tropical. I actually feel the the acids are uh, more palate cleansing on this than on the uh, on the regular Sauvignon Blanc, which is yeah. This one's got a little more better, better acidity, and, and that's kind of what I, I'm really liking about this. Uh, so, Ryan, what kind of uh, what kind of oak treatment did you do on it? So with with the fumé, I kept it pretty similar to what I did the year before, just obviously with uh, local fruit. Um, French, uh, 100% French oak, uh, I want to say was a one-time use barrel, I believe, and then a, and then one neutral barrel as well, because we increased production to two barrels instead of the, the single barrel that we had done in 2018, because uh, as I mentioned before, it was going over so well that year, figured might as well just increase it a little bit. We don't want to go too crazy, try and keep it niche, try and keep it simple, um, but in that case, yeah, it was one, two, both French oak, one neutral, one a year old, like single use beforehand, um, fermented in there, stirred on the lees. Uh, I want to say for about five months until just you know you taste it every time, kind of idea, and you just like okay, this is this is where I want it to be. Um, and then just it was just filtered um, straight from the barrel right into a tank, straight to the bottle, I was like probably within three days, kind of idea. And then it just sat because it wasn't you know we wait for it to to relax, kind of idea, but. Nothing, nothing super complex about it. Just lots of lees stirring, but not for like you had mentioned before, twenty-four months by any means. So, how long was this in yeah. was this in barrel before it, it got to the finish oh, line for yeah. you? Gotcha, gotcha. So the the wine was, I think we received it the juice or the uh, the grapes uh, probably early October pressed it off, settled in the tank for about a week, week and a half, just to get the separation of the leaves from the juice, obviously. And then it fermented cleanly, really clean, super controlled, nothing too high in uh, temperature for about three and a half, four weeks. Over mm. the course of three and a half, four weeks, right bone dry. And then after which, then we began stirring it for about five months. Then it sat in the barrels again for, I want to say, another two months. So in total, what's that? Maybe eight months? I think if my math's correct, it's about eight months of, of barrel contact in one way, shape, or form. Now, when when you rose to the challenge to make this particular wine... Um... Is there is there like is there a method that you had or like is there a place that you drew your inspiration from to to pull this off? I think I think in the the first year I didn't have as much vision. It was kind of like, oh, cool, there's a challenge. I'm gonna <laughs> see what I can do, you know, make a name for myself or and make a name for crew in that sense. And um, and honestly, the reason why it was I think I mentioned last time we had spoke was uh, the reason why we used the 
the Niagara fruit was because of the time pinch. I couldn't find anything locally at that in such a short time frame. So having done it in 2018 and taking the year off of in 19 and then having another crack at it, you know, over the course of two years, I, I guess I just kind of thought about the process of what I wanted to do and how I wanted to accomplish it. Not necessarily, I didn't go out tasting, uh, you know, barrel from the Sauvignon Blanc from France or, or California or anything like that. I'm, I'm familiar with them, but I didn't, I didn't want to go out and try and just emulate anybody either. I, I think that's pretty cool. Michael, what do you think about that? It's, you know what? You're reminding me of like uh, Whoopi Goldberg today. In what way? Because okay. I hope he's talking to you guys on me. the view. And what do you think of that? Well, you're being you're being unusually silent for someone who who is is you know the more bombastic of the two of us. So I, again, I got a whole I got a dog. I okay, that's really funny. No, I, I mean still, she still has not moved. That is the funny part. I have been I have uh, patted her. I have I want to say I I haven't kicked her, but I have put my shoe underneath her, and uh, still nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you know, Ryan, okay. I I find I find I, I have a dead dog. I find that fascinating in in your approach to how you made this because I mean you're a winemaker, you're a professional winemaker by trade. So you you could do the research as to what people did, right? Without being able to taste it. Like you can talk to winemakers in yeah. France, you can talk to winemakers in in California, but it's also nice that you know, you could get the recipe but not not set up your own vision for what you hope it might taste like and instead just work to make something delicious because I mean the wine, like the wines from Crew, when they come through the LCBO. Not just saying this because you're on here, but it's something that we generally, I generally look forward to because they're affordable and generally of a good quality. So you know what good wine tastes like. So I don't know. I just find that that fascinating that you didn't work with anything on a baseline. Now that you've made this wine, though, do you find yourself curious and maybe seeking out other oaked Sauvignon Blanc to to see where you where you rank or where you stand compared to other regions? I think I've, I've de- it's definitely crossed my mind. Uh, if you've ever been to Harrow, our LCBO uh, little vintage section does not offer the uh, largest of uh, selections. But um, I, I will say that if I see one in the vintages section, let's say from from California, France, wherever, even even a, you know, there's other ones in Ontario, obviously. Um, I, I will pick them up and, and paw at the back label, but I, rarely do I buy them, and I don't know if it's just. Um, fear of what how how well mine ranks or stacks up or what have you but I just not um, I, I just I don't know I guess I just um, it's not fear I just say I'm confident that I make a good product in in you know 99% of the cases what um, which fruit did you like working with better in the Fume style the Niagara fruit or the Lake Erie fruit that's a good question Michael thanks for paying attention <laughs> Okay, so I don't know if this counts as cheating because I didn't get the fruit fruit from local. It was juice. <laughs> okay. Don't 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 oh, tell me that he's cheating. Done it again. I mean, I'll make it again. I don't care. <laughs> no, I mean this. This is one of the okay. You, you know, let's be real. I think this is one of those things where most of the people who listen to this podcast are involved in the industry in one way, shape, or form. And if you're not a winemaker. You know, this might be a little bit like great and powerful Oz is it's just like around harvest time, it may not be like a tote of grapes that shows up at a winery when you're looking for something like someone like Ryan may make a phone call yeah. to another grower or 
Like for myself with with ADX, I've had to make phone calls looking to like, you know, you go in with a harvest plan of like, okay, I'm hoping to have X number of liters of this to work with and the totes of juice, the totes of must will show up. So I'm going to give you a pass, but I think we'll let Michael, we'll let Michael do the the final, the final grading on that, but whether we're going to make you have to make it again and, and see if you can get it from this year's vintage. So does, does crew grow Sauvignon Blanc or you don't? We we don't, and that's the uh, the that crux of it all. So I had yeah. I did have a, I had a ton of Sauv Blanc lined up to to grab in 2020. Went and took a look at it, and it just wasn't looking as it should. And I backed away from it, knowing that I could find juice elsewhere. I mean, I, I called a couple people in the area, but nobody. One had already picked one. Like I said, the vineyard was just looking a little uh, less than desirable for for something I wanted to make with the special Fumé style, right? So then I had to settle in that sense and, and frantically find some some juice. So do you, do you have some lined up for 2021? So I have some in barrel already for 2021, but Ooh. it's from the Niagara region again. Oh, oh sorry. But, and then 2022, what, is, what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, I know... I have been in contact with one of the growers down in the area that has um, Sauvignon Blanc. And, the, and the, the best part about it is that if I choose to, I get to go in there and handpick it myself. So it adds a little extra element to the whole, um, you know, passion and story that I've been trying to, to develop here with Fumé Blanc and crew and myself personally. Well, I know that you mentioned... Um... In, in with the 2018 version of this, that it was pretty popular with your customers. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, it, it was one single barrel we made and it was doing, and it did really, really well that we ended up doing it again, obviously in, with the 2020 and we made two barrels that year. And then I think we're down to maybe three cases left in the retail store. That's it. Um, hence why we, you know, forecasting and everything we knew to make some for 2021. And, and like I said earlier, the goal is to keep it a little more niche, a little smaller lot, just to keep that like uh, crafty artisan element to it. Oh, I and like did that. You, uh, did you give uh, Andre full credit for giving you the idea every time you sell a bottle? <laughs> if, if somebody asks why we made it i always mention well there's this guy that i met a critic from niagara at the vintage <laughs> tasting at vivachi in 2018 and he challenged me he looked me dead in the eyes no i mean <laughs> I, I do we still tell people the story we still tell people that it was it was made on a challenge unfortunately the 2021 version loses the the uh walk the plank moniker and just goes straight to fume blanc now Okay, okay, okay. I mean, I'm I'm thrilled that it's it's worked its way into the just into the portfolio, and it's and it's a tasty wine. And I'm actually a oh, little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed in opening the 2020 right now because I feel it needs a bit more time in bottle before it's like really ready. You said it's, you said it's almost sold out, right? Yeah, there's. Uh, I think there's about three cases, three or four cases left in the retail. I know I've got nothing in the production building and everything up there, and I know they don't stock too too much of it up there, but. A busy, busy long weekend could deplete that entirely, so we'll we'll have to see. Well, fingers crossed for you guys. Michael, what do you think of the wine? Didn't I already tell you? I think you gave a tasting note, but I don't know if you said whether you liked it or not. Are you, like, avoiding... Oh, um, you know what? I, um, 
Ryan, I'm okay with it. Meaning, I like the acidity on it uh, because I'm always worried that uh, the acidity is going to get lost within the oak uh, in a lot of Fumé Blancs. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I would, I think, I gravitate more towards the regular So Blanc just because it's it's so crushable. Um, and the Fumé, uh, that's a, that's a nice sipping wine for later in the evening. I'm looking forward to seeing what the fume is going to taste like later on in the day, but it's definitely very true to the style, lives up to the challenge, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you're doing uh, with the next one, Ryan, for sure. And it's, and it's what, 30 degrees out today, so it's perfect for, for sitting outside. It is, it is gross outside. <laughs> that, that's what it is. It is gross. Oh, I think I'm... that's what the weatherman said this morning on the radio. He says, it's gross outside. I'm not even going to tell you the temperature. Uh, you guys are going to think I'm nuts, but I, I love this, I love this weather. Like the moment this podcast is done, I'm going in my backyard to fight with the mulberry tree that belongs to the neighbor and hose it down, and I'm just going to sit outside and probably enjoy the rest of this Sauvignon Blanc. Well, Andre's very happy to have his own backyard now because he can uh, he can sit outside um, um, naked. Yeah, I mean, I walk oh, around. There you go. Yeah, I walk around the house naked. I mean, I guess like. I don't know. Now like I'm not, now, I'm, next time you're at Andre's house, remember not to sit down on anything. Why? I keep myself pretty oh, no. clean. Don't touch anything. Don't sit down. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Let's let's move ne- on. And never say, "Hey, what's that smell?" Let's move on to the uh, move on to the Cabernet Sauvignon before this goes completely off the rails. So, 2019 was. <laughs> hang on, doing my my memory. 2019 was a challenging vintage in Niagara. This is a Lake Erie North Shore wine. Um. Michael, you and I are generally quite critical of Cabernet Sauvignon in Niagara as a whole, and but we're not talking how, Niagara how the here. Growing season in uh, the Lake Erie uh, in nineteen. I know here in Niagara we got a lot of uh, we got a lot of wet. Yeah, I think uh, it wasn't uh, as wet uh, in the in, uh, in the fall time up here but the biggest challenge and typically we try and hold off on the cab so to to harvest in the second week kind of idea right around the 14th 15th rate the last possible minute right and um the problem was was that we had such intermittent rain that we were having a hard time getting in and out of the vineyard just for any kind of any kind of harvesting itself even uh, not just the cab so but all the other varieties too um and then, of course, you, you fight with dilution and such. So you're trying to hold off and wait as long as you can to to harvest before the next bout comes to try and make sure that your, your grapes, uh, you know, lose some of that water content. But you don't have to heat at that time either. So uh, challenging is a very good word for for that harvest, both, I think, in Niagara and, and down here in the Lake Erie North Shore. That being said. Uh, I think you've done a, a really nice job of making it a very drink now style wine. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. Agre- completely agree with that. But I mean, the remarkable thing about about the, about the wine is, in, in spite of the challenging growing conditions, like it's definitely a little a little softer. Like it's not rocking that. Like I'm I'm curious what your 2020 Cab so would taste like by comparison. But it's it's. Um, soft and the tannin is soft it's still like vibrant and fruity uh but it's also like completely and perfectly ripe like it's very very like ripe cherry on it 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, just uh, the, the utmost care given to the grapes and, and like, you know, being patient. There's a point where you go too far, obviously, but maybe luck was on our side in a sense, but being being patient with, with the vineyard and, and then having the grape, knowing that the grapes, when they get to a certain level of ripeness, they're going to, uh, you know, work better for you than, than against you in that sense. And a drink now red is a great way to, to summarize the wine for sure. I think that's unfortunately 2019, just, I don't know. I, I, I feel that's the way other wineries obviously probably have, a different take or they have reserves and such, but our 2019 reds, they're definitely more of a drink now kind of style. So Andre? I'm, I'm waiting for you to jump in. Like you're really being unusually quiet on this podcast, Michael. I I'm having trouble getting towards the microphone. So I'm kind of just, okay. Okay. So, so Ryan, you didn't, you didn't send it in the package and, and it's, um, I see on the website that like, you have the Grand Cru, since we're talking about vintage conditions and, I guess, classifications of, of wines. So for the Grand Cru wine that your winery sure. makes, is that barrel selections from, like, exceptional years or from years that meet what you think would be the requirements to do that? Or, uh, like, how does, that come to, how does that come together? So I think right now we're trying to kind of develop our reserve style program more than anything uh, the first grand crew we had since i've been here was the 2017 and how that worked was we tasted through the barrels and we isolated you know, uh, i think that was four merlots that were the best and four of our estate grown all estate grown to uh cab soaps and just kind of let them hang out for another year in barrel, tasted them all again. Yep, they're all good. Put them together, and away we go. So it gave them an extra year of barreling. Uh, typically, our barrel program only lasts, uh, each red is typically from nine months to a year on average. And uh, But for the reserve, we kept it in there for an extra year. Now with the 18 grand crew, which we just bottled, I want to say, about a month ago. Wow. Um, that one... It was just, just we. What we started doing was we would taste through all of the barrels and score all the barrels individually, blind, knowing what we're tasting, not knowing what kind of oak or how how fresh the oak is. I mean, you know roughly when you're tasting it, but not the the finer details. So we'll give everything a score and then go through and anything that gets like a you know, a, there's no no such thing as a perfect wine in our in our minds. So we'll never have a five out of five. But if something gets like a a 4.5, something that's stellar, really just pops. You know, we'll hold on to that for a year. And what ended up happening with that one is we held on to it for a year, tasted it, and said, oh, we, we, we can let this go for a little longer. And we taste it again in six months, and then another six months. And eventually, three years of oaking, uh, barreling had gone past, and we've got this wine that's just big, bold, and it's just it's full of attitude. It's a really good wine. Jesus. And I'm not just tooting my own horn. It, it, like, it's, it's a, a stellar wine. So when you say we, um, like how many people are on the winemaking team, or is this one where you bring in other other employees, like retail employees and, and other behind the scenes stuff? Like when you're talking about these barrel tastings, like who who has the say in, in what what the barrels taste like, or where the barrels score? So primarily, yeah, primarily it's myself and then the owner. Okay. Um. So so we'll we'll do it, but there have been times in the past where we'll pull in one of our retail staff that you know somebody that maybe is um, 
becoming a you know going to school practicing sommelier or somebody that's got a little more tasting experience you know uh, we used to have our general manager she had her w set uh level three i think so she would be involved in it and it just you know uh, if i sit here and i taste them and i score them it's not as um i don't think it's as uh i don't know what the word is i'm looking for here but it's just it's just not i don't think that score reflects the the average consumer so you know grabbing a couple people in there and averaging everything out and saying oh yeah this is good this isn't so good oh i like this one oh i didn't find this one you know things like that it's just more 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 eyes more mouths more scores it just it helps out the average well there we go i'm i'm a fan of the cab soap i think it's it's really reasonably priced and um you know i think I'd venture to say this is this is likely a bit more ripe than than what we would generally find in Niagara from 2019. At least. I, I would agree with that. I I think it's uh, definitely, as I said, drink now, but it's got lots and lots of fruit. You're not finding that herbaceousness. Uh, like it's it's Ryan, it's really drinkable, and I think for 25 bucks, I I think it's a, it's a it's a good deal, especially if you really you know think that Ontario and Cab So don't always go together. Um, uh, I've done wine tours for people for like, sure. why do we throw sure. more Cab Sauv in, in, in Ontario? And I'm like, because we can. Uh, but definitely this, this one really shows a lot of fruit and I, and I, and I commend you on, you know, either hanging it long or, and, and I should ask, is this your fruit? Yes. Yeah. The, right. uh, the Cab Sauv is a hundred percent Cab Sauv from the estate. It's a, it's a, before I give you too much credit for growing really think, good fruit. Uh, <laughs> Holy crap, Michael, I just took a look at the alcohol, alcohol in the back on this. This is, this is a dangerous, this is a dangerous wine because it is a little softer and, and, you know, oh, like, wow, I, yeah. like I said at the beginning, like it's, it's not, it's not a kick you in the face California cab, like that's for sure. And I know, like one of the reasons you and I really enjoy talking about Lake Erie North Shore and, I, and just the fact about Lake Erie North Shore is it gets a little bit more, more heat than Niagara does, but I was not expecting fourteen point two percent alcohol on this. Yeah, it is. It is a little on the hot side, but <laughs> it doesn't come through on the palate, which is, as you said, a very dangerous thing uh, to have. That's kind of a that's kind of one of those really well balanced Aussie wines when they're fourteen five, and you don't know it's fourteen five until and you Ryan, stand how up. Close to fourteen two is this really? I'm guessing it's fourteen two on the no, dot. No, I think it's I honestly I I think it's closer to fourteen two than it is fifteen two. The Grand Cru, that the capsule Grand Cru, the two thousand eighteen, that one's kissing fifteen. Wow. Wow. Well, I can't wait to taste that. I guess we'll have to have Ryan on again when that comes to market. I'm guessing that's gonna be in what, next year, maybe the year after that? There you go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, well, Ryan, I'll thanks keep, for. I'll keep. I'll keep making fume. I'll keep weaseling my way onto the podcast. <laughs> well, we appreciate you you rising to the challenge, and it's just like I'm. I'm happy that the wine the wine turned out how I hoped it would in my head, but also listening to your process, um, I'm just curious to see like where you're going to go from where to go from that, and to see how the wine's going to progress. So I appreciate you rising up to the challenge for that, and thank you for sending us the the wines. And if you check. AndreWineReview.ca or MichaelPinkusWineReview.com. I know there were a couple other wines that were sent in the package, uh, a pair of Chardonnays that I might get into around I4C in a couple of weeks here. 
You made, you made Andre very upset, by the way, Ryan. I don't know if you know that because uh, we said, which wines are we going to taste? And we had two Chardonnays, two Sauvignons, and, uh, and the Cab. And uh, you said, uh, let's go with the Sauvignon and the Cabernet Sauvignon. So uh, poor Andre didn't get to open a bottle of Chardonnay today. Oh, poor Andre. I, I, I seem to recall that being his, one of his favorites, one of his go-tos. So <laughs> I apologize. But oh, that's fine. Enjoy them much the same, regardless of whether we're on the podcast or not. I'm sure that's fine. I think I think when I do open them, I'll put on I'll put on Captain Chardonnay's mask and cape, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll get into those bottles a little later on. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's... Ryan, we'd like to thank you again for for making a wine for Andre. Not a problem. It's my pleasure. Like I said, it's become this little pet project of mine, and I really enjoy making it year after year. Really, the dog wouldn't move. I swear to God, she's just she's still here. And you, you just you can't move her. It's not like it's moving Henry, man. So Henry's pretty easy to pick him <laughs> up. I have, I have, uh, I have pushed her shoulder. Uh, all she does seems to want to do is make herself more comfortable. So I mean, twenty twenty two is basically turning into the Michael Pincus technical issues podcast. It's, it's it's the weird part is that um, it's it's this one is not my fault. Oh, there we go. You're on the mic again. Yeah, I stood up. <laughs> I stood up, and I'm now standing over the dog, and she still hasn't moved. I, I you know what? I appreciate that Ryan takes the the time to. Like, I mean, he's him and I and you. I think we've had conversations on and off like throughout the past couple of years, like about the wine and whatnot. But I get it. I I wasn't blowing smoke when I said that I'm look I look forward to when I see the crew wines on the shelves of the LCBO and there's not a lot from Ontario that rolls through vintages that makes me really excited. I mean I'm living in Hamilton now so when I want something from Ontario I'll generally go to Niagara to buy it and there isn't a lot from Prince Edward County or the Lake Erie North Shore that rolls through there so when you can get your hands on a bottle it's you know it's it's a good thing and it's never that expensive. I think you just actually uh, sent me a. Uh, a message uh, a while back that there's not even a red uh, in the July release at the LCBO. There is not a red. I, I mean, if there's any if there's any indication that there's a problem with how the monopoly is working, it's the fact that the wineries do not want to get their wines through there. I, I, I refuse to believe that it's on the LCBO side that they don't have a red wine for sale. Um, you know, once again, now being involved in this industry. I have zero interest in engaging in business with the in the with, with the LCBO, especially on being as small as I am. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it for you, but I mean, like big producers around the world want to get in there because they gets gets them in front of everybody. And look, the LCBO is is moving towards just big brands. Let's be honest; it's going to be the bottle shops that, that take over the small brands very shortly, uh, if not in the next uh, two or three years, but uh, five. You know, the LCBO is going to be all Yellowtail and uh, uh, Wolf Bloss and all the all the big names anyway. So, you know, you're 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 going to be going to the, you know, your local bottle shop for, you know, anything that, you know, what it was. What's the old thing you like get your something tickled? Oh, <laughs> uh, makes my balls tingle. I've never said that on the podcast though. Oh, oh well. That, that's go. an off the because I'm trying to raise the discourse. Um, 
Oh my god. Okay, I'm not I'm not going to bleep it, but it's okay, it's a crass way of saying it. Now that we put it on the podcast, I just need to explain it. There's James May is one of the hosts of Top Gear in the Grand Tour, and he talks about there's certain cars that you just you feel it on your insides. It gives you the fizz. And I just I took I I thought it was such a like beautiful way to describe something when you really love it and you can't really explain it. And it's just like like you and I, we've we've talked about this before. Like one of those vintages tastings, that whole wide band of mediocre, and like you are 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 dealing with a hell of a project with the Rosé Report. I know we've talked about it. I, I think the Rosé Report's going to drop. What? Let's see. It's July fifth today. If you're listening to this, it's July fifth. Is that not the day the Rosé Report's supposed to come out? We're we're really close. Like I mean, <laughs> it's going to be that week. Uh, it's I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's. It's but but always, it's, it's always a bigger endeavor than I remember it every year. And that's it. And I mean, it's the whole thing, though, is like with something like Rosé, like there is a wide band of mediocre. Like you're drinking a lot of wines that are good, but the ones that are giving you the fizz, the ones that are, I'm really sorry to say this again, the ones that are making your balls tingle are like few and far between. Yeah, there's there's less of them, but the, the ones that they're there are are are, are really good. And uh, as I said, I've I, I, I raised the bar as far as uh, trying to describe them better, good, better, best, instead of just giving them a score out of stars. Uh, so we've got like a, it's almost like a range of five, good, good, plus, better, better, plus, and, and best. And actually, there are some best wines this year. I'm pretty, pretty impressed, especially in the sparkling category. Oh, I love sparkling rosé. Anyways, I but guess I this get is back to it, Andre. Like I'm in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Let's let's wrap I'll this up. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm Andre Peru from AndreWineReview.ca. Um, we may be taking another week off next week because um, the day you're listening to this, I am in La Havre, probably drinking too much Calvados. Uh, but follow me at Andre Wine Review. I will be documenting some of my exploits, and uh, you are. Will you be eating Comte? I have instructions to Guillaume to meet me at the airport with a brick of Conte for me to eat like a chocolate bar, which has become a tradition in France for me. All righty then. Andre, I am Michael Pincus of michaelpincuswinereview.com. You can find me on social media as The Great Guy and also as Michael Pincus. Take us away, man. Everybody, look for the Rosé Report. It is definitely coming this week. But right now, i got to get back to it. So good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.